acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So good to be back with you this morning. I'm thankful to Luke Davis for filling in in the pulpit. I know he did a great job. And uh, we were uh, on vacation for about a week in Branson, Missouri. And one of the things that we did while we were in Branson is we saw the new Mary Poppins movie, uh, Mary Poppins Returns. And that was the first time that all eight of us, including little three-year-old Sam, uh, went to the movies together. So we took out a small loan and we were able to buy our tickets. <laughs> but uh, it worked out. And, um, but in one of the scenes of the movie... The children in that, in the, the main characters, of course, Mary Poppins and these children, and the children got lost in the city of London. It's evening, they're in a strange place, they're disorientated, and the fog is in the city. The London fog fills the streets of the city. And so they were lost and they were disorientated. But um, Jack the Lamplighter was with them. And uh, his job, of course, was to light the gas lamps through the streets of London. And so he recruited his lamplighting friends and they brought their torches and they lit the, the lamps to lead these children home. And so there was this lovely song in this scene uh, where the children are, are following the lights uh, through the London fog, through the darkness. And then they uh, arrive safely home at Cherry, I think it's Cherry Street Lane is the name of their, their address or Cherry Hill Lane. But I thought about that. I thought about that scene as I reflected on the gospel reading this morning, the story of the wise men who follow this star, the light of a star, all the way to the Christ child. Uh, God sent this light so that by this light it might lead them to Christ, who is the light of the world. Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Today is uh, the first Sunday in Epiphany in the church calendar. Epiphany means, that's from a Greek word that means manifestation or appearance. And so what we see in the story of the wise men is Christ manifested to these magi, to these wise men. God shining the light of revelation, as it were, to unveil the Christ child to them. There's a couple of important points about these wise men that we need to understand in order to understand the significance of this story. One is that they were from the east. They were Gentiles. They were not of Israel. Matthew tells us that they're from the east, and we don't know exactly. You read different uh, historians or different commentaries, and they'll tell you, their best educated guess of where these wise men were from. Some say Persia, because the word Magi is, a, I think, a Persian word. Um, some say Babylon or Arabia. Uh, somewhere in the region of modern Iran or Iraq or Saudi Arabia is where these wise men probably came from. We don't know their exact origin, but again, the important point is that they were not from Israel. They were not Jewish. So what we're seeing here is God, in his mercy, revealing the Jewish king, the Messiah, to these Gentiles, to these pagan Gentiles. And the other important point about these wise men is their occupation. They were magi. That's the word in the original language. It's translated in the ESV 
as um, wise men. But uh, these magi in the ancient world were experts in astronomy and astrology. They studied the stars to look for signs, for portents in the sky. They believed that somehow the stars um, affected human affairs. And so they gave their life to studying the stars and the movement of the stars. And uh, these particular wise men, by the way, they were known as wise men because uh, most of these folks, or a lot of these folks, were the best and brightest of a generation, and they became advisors to the king, and they were considered, they got the reputation of being wise men. But uh, these particular uh, wise men had associated a star with the birth of the Messiah. Somehow they became familiar with the Jewish prophecies about the Messiah, and they had their eyes on a particular star, because it says when they got to Herod, they said, we saw his star. See, they had been searching. They had been looking. We saw his star. And uh, when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, what would we say about these wise men, about these astrologers? I think a lot of us would say, well, they were superstitious. And they were in error. I mean, the Bible teaches us that astrology is wrong. To look to anything other than the God of the Bible for guidance, for guidance about the future, for trust, anything other than God, looking to any other spiritual practice rather than God, is wrong. It's idolatrous. But the amazing thing about this story is that God, in his mercy, breaks through their superstition. And their darkness and their error. And he guides them by the light of the star to communicate his truth. Um, in a sermon on this passage, the early church preacher John Christosom, the great golden mouth, they called him, great preacher of the early church, John Christosom, said this. He said, um, for the salvation of those who were in error, God used what was familiar to them to draw them away from the error to the highest wisdom. For their salvation, God used what was familiar to them, astrology, gazing at the stars, to draw them away by degrees, he says, to the highest wisdom. And then, having been led by this star, it says that they made their way to the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And one commentator said this, Listen to this. He said, the first men in the New Testament to bow and worship the Lord Jesus were these wise men. Who would have thought that it would be pagan Gentiles who would be first to bow and worship Israel's king? Who would have thought? God would have thought. God planned this. This is all part of God's design. God orchestrating history to this point. And through Isaiah, we see that God actually prophesied this happening. We read in Isaiah 60 that Gentile nations will come to the light of Israel. Representatives of other nations, rulers will come to the light of Israel and they will bring precious things to pay tribute, gold and frankincense to the God of Israel. 
This is all part of God's plan that goes back to the covenant that he made with Abraham. And he told Abraham when he made this covenant, Abraham, the father, of course, of the nation of Israel. He said, your descendants, I will give you descendants as numerous as the stars, and they will bless the nations of the world. God blessed Abraham and the nation of Israel so that through Israel, all nations could be blessed. So this is all part of God's plan. In our epistle reading, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, he he says in Ephesians three that this mystery, there's something that God has unveiled in the coming of Jesus Christ. This mystery now is unveiled. It's been revealed. There's an epiphany here. And the epiphany is this. The mystery that's been revealed is this. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul, the Pharisee, Paul, the Jew. Saw something marvelous, wonderful happening in the expansion of the gospel. The potential of Jew and Gentile to come together in one body through Christ. Friends, we long for unity in our society today. We long for divisions to be broken down, for people to come together. We long for peace. We long for wholeness in this world. It comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But those of us who are Gentile can thank God for this mercy, for the wideness of his mercy. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light by his grace, by his mercy. And this story of the wise men from the east coming to receive, to recognize and to worship the king of Israel is a foreshadowing of the expansion of the gospel into the Gentile world that we are part of now here today, 2000 years later. Thanks be to God for the wideness of his mercy. Amen. So we see in this story. And this is really my point today. What we see in this story is the heart of God to reach people. We see, if I could put it this way, we see God's missionary heart. God who is light, the scripture tells us God is light. In him there is no darkness. God is light. God is love. God is life. He is those things. He has those things. He is those things perfectly. And his desire is to communicate that to his creation. And so we see the missionary heart of God in drawing these pagan Gentiles to the light of Jesus Christ, through the light of a star. You know, I was thinking if I had come across these stargazers, let's put my if I can go back and imagine what it would have been like to see them traversing through the desert, maybe on their camels. And I was crossing their path and I'd seen them with their astrological charts and things and gazing into the stars. I probably would have said to myself, these guys are lost in superstition and darkness. Probably the same kind of thing I say when I pass like a tarot card shop or something like that. or psychic readings. People are lost in superstition and darkness. And it's true. They are. But God was at work in them. In the midst of their error, God was doing something. God was up to something. God was drawing them. They were seeking truth and God was drawing them by the light of this star. Friends, we need to trust. 
that God is still at work today doing this. Drawing people to his son, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of hand-wringing that we can do about our culture. We know we are living in an increasingly post-Christian world, a secular world. There are all sorts of problems and we can uh, take time and enumerate these problems that we see with our culture. And, and, and we can get into a pessimistic mood if we think of that too long and forget God's missionary heart to reach people, to draw them to Christ. The people who are in darkness need the light of Christ. They need the light of hope that Christ gives. They need the, to understand that life has meaning and purpose. They need the light of God's love, God's unconditional love that's in the gospel. And so we, we don't want to dismiss people. We don't want to think that, oh, so-and-so, such a group, is, they're too far gone. God can never reach them. No, God is still at work drawing people to his son, Jesus Christ. He's still on mission. And he calls us to be on mission with him. So today, God doesn't use the light of a star to draw people to his son, Jesus. I suppose he could do that, but that's not his normal method to use the light of a star today. So what light does he use? Well, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a, sil- uh, on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You, brothers and sisters, are the light of the world. And through your life, you witness that you belong to the kingdom of God and you belong to the heavenly Father through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Our good works can be a light Pointing people to our Father. Friends, the light is not inherent in us. It's in Jesus. He's the light of the world. But as we look to Him, as we are in union with Him, as we are in communion with Him, His light comes into our life and something of that light is reflected to others. We are transformed by His light and that is reflected to others. There's a Christian artist named Sarah Groves, and I like the words of one of her songs. She says uh, to the Lord, she says, you are the sun and I am the moon. I have no light of my own. She says, you are the sun. Shine on me with your light. Without you, I'm a cold, dark stone. But Lord, shine on me. You're the sun. You're the sun. And I'm the moon. I need the light of Christ in my life. I need to stay close to Christ. So that my heart doesn't turn to a cold stone. But when I turn to Christ, something of his light is reflected in my life. So, friends, when a Christian displays integrity in the workplace and honesty in the workplace. Going against the flow to his or her own detriment. When a Christian does that, it's shining something of the light. When a student sticks up for the dignity of somebody who's being bullied or it's friendly to an unpopular kid. When you practice hospitality to a stranger or to somebody who's lonely. When you are a peacemaker in your family and seek reconciliation where there's division. When we love one another in the church in spite of our differences and divisions, divisions that separate people in our culture, 
economic divisions and political differences. When we love one another in spite of our differences and difficulties in personalities, that's showing the light of Christ. That's a witness that God is at work among us. When Christians go through suffering, clinging to the hope and promises of God, that's shining the light. I think of the one Christian pastor I quoted a couple of weeks ago who was in China and he's been arrested and I don't think he's been heard from since, but he sent this letter out before he was arrested. He anticipated that the officials were coming for him because of his bold stand for Jesus. And in this letter, he said, one thing he wrote, I pray that my suffering for Christ will be a witness to the people of China of my hope in the eternal Father, in eternal God. I'm willing to suffer because of the hope that I have in God. Friends, that's a witness. That's shining the light. So here's a prayer for us in 2019. Lord, help me to shine. Help me to shine in 2019. I hesitate to say this because it's kind of a groaner in terms of a line, but I spent a week in Branson, so I got my fill of of corny slogans and things. So I'm going to give you a corny slogan, huh? Here's something to think about. In 21.9, it's time to shine. 2019, a year to shine and to pray about, God, how can I share your light with others in my family, in my neighborhood, in my workplace? Let's not be passive. Let's go on mission. Let's not be content with maintenance. Let's be aggressive. Let's join God in this mission. That's our call. God can use the light of our life. Even if it's just a flickering little candle flame in the darkness, that shines pretty bright. God can use our light to draw others to his son, Jesus. And then, of course, the gospel message itself. This is our primary mission to share the gospel message. This is why Church of the Resurrection exists. This is what I'm here for is to proclaim the gospel message. The gospel message itself is light. The message itself has a drawing power. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that the gospel is light. He calls it the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. There is a drawing power to the message and story of Jesus Christ. Inherent in the message is light that draws people. The wise men were searching based on the light that God gave him. The light that God gave them, but... They only encountered Christ the child. Friends, we have the full, glorious story of Christ. Christ who lived a perfect life of obedience in our place, fulfilled the law perfectly, something that we could never do. Christ who out of love for us and obedience to his father went to the cross willingly to pay for our sin. Christ who died the death that we deserve. Christ who experienced God forsakenness for us. So we would never have to be experience God forsaken us. Christ, who was raised from the dead on the third day so that we could have the hope of resurrection, eternal life and new creation. This is a glorious message. This gospel has drawing power to people who are in darkness. Yes, there are people who aren't interested. There are people who are complacent. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle. And it's always been that way. We see this with Herod. Herod represents the darkness. The darkness is always going to fight against the light until the Lord comes again. 
And so it's going to be hard. And so it is a battle. But we don't give up. Because we have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we've been given a mission to proclaim this gospel. How will you support in 2019 the, the expansion of the gospel in our world today? Who do you need to pray for? What ministries do you need to give to? What mission can you be involved in? Who can you invite to church to hear the message of the gospel? Let's ask God to think of creative ways, to help us think of creative ways to further this message, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Just as God drew the magi by the light of the star to Christ, God wants to use you and me to draw people to Christ today. Let's embrace this mission. Let's go on this adventure. Let's continue on doing what we're doing and ask God to help expand what we're doing. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Let's light the path, just like Jack the Lamplighter and his friends. For those children who were lost in darkness and in the fog and they were disorientated. Let's light the path for others so they can find their way home to their eternal father. Amen.